The following podcast may contain some adult language. You've been warned. Those of you who got an invite, welcome to NerdProm. <laughs> no matter where in the world you are, we're all NERDS International. With the hyphen. Welcome to Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast. This is a show dedicated to the Genesis role-playing system from Fantasy Flight Games, a show in which we, your hosts, discuss all things Genesis from both the players and a GM's perspective. I am Tony Fanning. With me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Chris Holmes. How are you doing, homie? Oh, I'm doing, I'm doing awesome today. Doing awesome. Hooked up with my good friend, Brian, who we have on right now. Haven't talked to him in a while, so um, Brian, what's up with you, buddy? Welcome to the show. Hey, why, thank you. Uh, not much, just not much uh, yeah, enjoying being here with you guys. Talk about some games. Cool. Yeah. So, all right. So, gotta ask you. Oh yeah. What <laughs> did you cut your RPG um, teeth <sighs> on? What was your first game, man? Well. This is going to be a story that probably is going to sound familiar. Uh-huh. As we were just talking about being children of the 80s, mm-hmm. my first introduction to RPGs, my brother gave me for Christmas in 1983 or 4, uh-huh. the Larry Elmore Red Box D&D basic set. Oh, Red yeah. Box, man. You know. Me too. And me uh, too. so iconic. Yeah. So that was my first exposure. And uh and I uh, didn't play a lick of any RPG with any other people until probably about the year 2000. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> wow. So you he got bought the game. The game. You yeah, he got it. the game and played for like one one-hour session and then never again. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, but I bought the books. I bought Dragon Magazine whenever I could find it. I mean, I just devoured oh. that stuff mm-hmm. for, for decades. And oh. Played one session in 2000, and that fell through. Wow. And then I played with you, Chris. Remember before we started Star That's, Wars, dude? That was we played, like, we had that, that, like we had that only one five session. Years ago. Yeah, it was like three years ago. <laughs> we had that one session. That campaign fell through. Well, true. So to this day, oh, and then we had the uh, the only time I've ever actually played D and D for more than one session was when you led us through Curse of Strahd. What was that? A year, a year and a half ago. Yeah, yeah. When I was down in Orlando, still. Yep. Sweet. But I have DM'd it. I DM'd my family through Lost Minds of Fandalver and Red Hand of Doom using 5th oh, yeah. edition. Cool, dude. That's a great one. That's a great one. Yeah. And you've um you've just finishing up a just finishing up a campaign with our old group. That Sean is correct. Awesome. Yes, Sean and Tilly and Dave down mm-hmm. in Orlando. Who you cool. introduced us all to the Star Wars RPG system, narrative dice system. Yeah, so I've actually so got more fun. stick time on that than I do on D&D, but uh, still love D&D, of course. Cool. Awesome. Well, glad you're here. Glad you're here hanging out with us. Um, yep. So let's see. Let's old news here. Ciphers and masks, man. I picked wait, it up the wait. other day. What? I, 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 I don't know if Brian knows, but I, you know how I cut my RPG chops, right? My first yeah. foray into role-playing was, you know, was playing that little game that I played with Father uh, Jacobs at the, at the church. Yeah, 
Just kidding. I'm, 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 oh, no. Everybody's <laughs> 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 like, oh, crap, where's Tony taking this? Where is he taking this? Is this yeah, like a, gonna get real dark there for a second. Is this the Hellgate thing or what? <laughs> no, sorry, I have a little bit of extra Jamesons in me today. Apologies, gentlemen. Oh, it's going to be one of those. Excellent. Be warned, everybody. <laughs> oh, I'll cipher the masks. Yeah, I got it, too. It's good. I got it sitting here on my shelf, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, so that basically completes the um the career source books for the three lines at FFG. About time, guys. That's crazy, yeah. It's been on a boat and forever. <laughs> I yeah. did actually have an audible to call on news. I did hear, hear oh. through the grapevines that <laughs> people who have pre-ordered the Realms of Terranoth cards, adversary cards, yep. they are shipping. Oh, sweet. <gasps> Which means... Received, people who pre-ordered them have received emails telling them that it is shipping. So. Ooh. Which means I could probably swing down to the FFG store later on this week. Yeah, probably later there. this week. For those of us who pick it up out of the brick and mortar stores. So you have an FFG store where you live, dude. FFG, their oh, headquarters yeah. right here in oh. the Twin Cities. They're 15 minutes away from me, bud. 20. Jeez. I'll give it 20. That's that's crazy. Yeah. yeah, the only downside of living so close to them is you got to put up with oh, uh, nine months of winter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't you know? <laughs> <laughs> it gets so cold up here, yo. <laughs> All right, yeah. Well, okay. Well, that's cool. That's cool. I'm looking for looking forward to that then later on in the week. So, yeah, I just saw that about ten minutes before the show. Forgot to tell you about it. Um, excellent. So, for listener feedback, mm-hmm. um, I had I just picked one for this week because we have such Shoot. a lengthy topic, Shoot. and uh, it, it was a, a message from Adam. Uh, Adam Julian said, greetings from the interwebs. I have listened to your Genesis <laughs> podcast thus far, and I have no particular comment, but figured I'd point something out to you in those last couple episodes. The new show segment, 50 Pieces of Awesome. There's no intro music. Well, at least not on iPhone podcast. Perhaps exactly. it's a copyright thing, or I'm listening to it from an iPhone podcast, but mm-hmm. since uh, I hear all the rest of your music, it might be an editing glitch. Not sure. Anyway, keep up the good work, Adam. Um, Adam, no, it's just iTunes. Um, that piece of music is called, um, it's actually a hidden track on Time Flight by my buddy Dave Oliver. I was helping him, you know, create the didn't help him create the music or anything, but inspired him and encouraged him to do this. And he said he gave me a copy of his CD, and it was a hidden track on there. And I was thinking, <clears throat> oh man, I love that, love that music. Too bad you can't hear it <laughs> on iTunes, but you can hear it anywhere else. So you could go to YouTube and hear it. But um, probably when I ripped it ten years ago, I found it. So maybe there it is a copyright thing. So I'm actually going to edit those couple episodes and put new music in it, and for here on out. So. Just because Tony and I don't want to, they'll deny. They won't put us to jail for that. <laughs> yeah, I I can't do jail, man. I am soft and plush and way too level. <laughs> Me too. No. <laughs> no, but anyway, but yeah, the piece of music was from a good friend of mine, and it was just I don't know, just didn't quite work out somehow there or whatever. But anyways, that'll change. Change out the All music. Right. So speaking of 50 Pieces of Awesome, shall we get on over into that? Let's get on into that. (laughs) 
<laughs> Welcome to 50 Pieces of Awesome. This is where Chris finds something cool on the old interwebs and talks about it for, oh, I don't know, however long he feels like it. Well, um, yes. So, Chris, what have you found for us this week? All right. I searched all of the interwebs, all of them that are out there. All of them. Yeah. And what I found is actually my good buddy Brian's Kynamis setting. Um, because it is 50 pieces of awesome. And the reason why is it kind of changed. First off, it kind of changed my thought on these, um, anthropomorphic races because these are cool. And he added dwarves. (laughs) And one of the, one of the most important things is though, he created this setting with his family and you created the own maps the art there's like 74 pages in here and brian let me ask you how did this come about when you did this uh well yeah well when uh when genesis was coming out and we want i wanted to play with my family um we actually i wanted to come i've always loved world building so uh we wanted to build a world with the family that we could then, uh, you know, define some history and all that kind of stuff and then make characters and adventure. in. we actually used a, um, there's a, I don't know if you call it an RPG game necessarily, but, uh, it's called microscope and it was put out by, um, I forget lame mage studios, I believe. Okay. And it's a, it's a set of rules that you kind of play like a game and uh, you go through and you take turns acting out scenes and defining a history for it could be anything really. And so we use that to make the world and it was uh, it was a lot of fun. My cool. kids, you know, are, are young and stuff. So we had a lot of fun doing that. And they came we each came up with a race that we wanted and a uh, little bit of history. And then I kind of took took it and ran with it and just created a setting. Yeah, you did. You Out sprinted with this damn thing. You didn't run. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, and you added dwarves, which Tony yeah, well, and I can definitely that, appreciate. That, <laughs> very much so. The yeah. more dwarven, the better. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, no gnomes. Well, not not playable gnomes because gnomes suck. But killable gnomes, no, gnomes are evil. Yeah, well, and, and actually, in my setting, <laughs> gnomes actually literally are evil dwarves. They're evil, corrupted dwarves. Yes, is, I'm in love is, with this even more. Yeah, and they, they exist. They exist solely to you know fight and defeat, basically. That is Excellent. cool. So they're like the goblins of D and D. Absolutely, absolutely. That is so cool, dude. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would now. Did you did you end up posting this up on the FFG site? I can't remember. I know you emailed me. I did not post it in the actual like user created settings subfolder or subforum, mm-hmm. but I did post it in a. I think I posted it in like the GM binder thread or something like that oh, a cool. while back. Yeah, so yeah it, it looks it, like you did. You used a GM binder here, and it looks it's beautiful. It looks great. Yeah, yeah. GM binder has been really good good for me. Um, but yeah, I, I, I haven't really what I would consider finished it yet, so I didn't want to post it up. Plus, oh, you know, I, I don't know why anybody else would. You know, necessarily care. It's, there's nothing. You well, know, there's there's some. You know, you know what? You know why people would probably care, is that it's awesome. But well, the thing is, I'm, there is. Exactly. You know what's cool is this song book that you've oh, created. Well, you've created these oh, songs for like curse well, and attack. Time, oh. time out. That's one of the main reasons why I didn't want to post it because actually, I uh, kind of plagiarized the names of the songs and what they do from. Uh, uh, an old wonderful game called EverQuest. 
Oh, so if, if oh, an EverQuest fan out there, you would actually recognize that most of the, or actually all of the song names mm-hmm. that I put in there are actually from EverQuest. So, well, that's cool though. I mean, that's well, way back in the If it's a fan created document, the way I understand, it's a fan created document, and you are not trying to buy, get anything from it, sell it. If you're just giving it away for free, I'm pretty sure nobody's going to say a word. Well, no, yeah, I know. I mean, I, no, I'm not worried about legal repercussions or copyright. Mm-hmm disputes but uh i figured before i release it out there in the wild just to sort of you know tweak make it, it creative yeah just come up with my own stuff but uh-huh. just that all yeah. right well that yeah that's cool yeah and like i said it's got maps and all the art you said all the artwork is unique too and you've given you know credit where credit is due there so that's awesome right yeah yeah so yeah that's, yeah that's a big that was a big thing uh, for me, is I wanted to make sure, and I've seen you know several examples where people have like the the first page after the title page is a big credit page where you list the art and the artist, mm-hmm. and you know making a link to it or whatever. And uh, yeah, it's I've seen a couple. I don't want to make this into a big thing, but just real quick, I have seen like one or two things online that kind of or on the forum that kind of tick me off because people basically just copying and pasting entire like chapters out of the Terranoth book and stuff like that. And it's kind of like, you know, come on guys, that's, that's a little in bad taste, you know? Yeah. I mean, I understand a reference here or there, but when you're like got five pages straight of, you know, <laughs> copy True. and pasted text mm-hmm. straight from a book that just released two weeks ago. That's a little. Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, well, normally we would, this is where I would go, hey, people out on the internet, check this out. So if you are in GM Binder, go check it out. And so normally I would say, whoever you are out there that created this, you are awarded 50 pieces of awesome. But Brian, since you're here, Chris can give you those 50 pieces of awesome himself. Oh, sweet. That's right. Here you, here you go. Darn it, I don't have the 50 pieces of awesome. Where are they? Oh, oh yeah, they, yeah, they sound a lot like this. It does. <laughs> you can bail them to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, great well, job on that, bud. That's awesome. Well, thanks. We have. Let me just like, uh, give a real quick plug for the map making software I use because there's a lot out there. Oh, that's true. That's true. But uh, this one was really cool. It's something I kickstarted, so I got it maybe a little cheaper than you can get it nowadays. But I've used a lot of different map making software like Auto Realm and Campaign Cartographer and Hexographer and Incarnate and all those. Mm-hmm. And Incarnate, by the way, is awesome for free. So if you don't want to spend any money, you should definitely check that out. Yep, but the one that I that. use, yeah. yeah, yeah. But the one that I use is called Otherworld Mapper. And like I say, I kickstarted it, but I think you can get it from their website. I don't remember who makes it, but if you look up Otherworld Mapper, it's really, really good. So if you're interested in mapping for campaigning or whatever as a DM or whatever, it's a really good piece of software. So just cool. a quick plug there. Nice. Oh, no, thank you. Awesome. Yeah, man. All right. Well, we do have, as I said, a big episode ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to be talking about world building. And the name of today's episode is called Building Better Worlds. All right. So shall we get into it? Yeah, man. (laughs) 
Okay, welcome to the book of Genesis. Ah, just kidding. We're doing setting the tone, folks. That's right. We are. There isn't really a section of the book that covers this. It's all over the place for various different little things that we're doing. So we are just going to call it all setting the tone. And we are world building today. We were going to have this really cool, I hoped, brainstorming session. Could be horribly just <laughs> dilapid, you know, just unorganized and chaotic and everybody stops listening but i i'm gonna have fun regardless <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah me too. Good, good. so I, I basically came up with like six pillar questions that you want to ask about what you, this is your building blocks of your campaign what do you want for these pillars so to speak and then you can just expand upon it from there and build the structure of your of your game world um mm-hmm. And the first of those is the tone or the theme. So in this, your tone or your theme, this is where you decide whether you want to play superheroes or whether you want to play uh, like you want it to be a modern setting like cyborgs or Mm -hmm. you want to play a mecha game where you're fighting giant kaiju or something like that. So, I, I had this little format that I came up with uh, for each of us to kind of bring a couple of ideas to the table, and then we would kind of try to sell it to the others, and then at the end of it all, we either decide on one or two of those that we like, and go, go on to the next one. Perfect. You guys all like right. that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. So, who wants to kick it off? Sell um, me on your idea. All right, I'm going to sell you on my idea then, man. <laughs> all right. Horror. <laughs> As a tone or theme. Okay. That's one of them. And no, that kind of like... kind of goes into Cthulhu. Oh. Investigation, like an invested... So my two are investigation and horror. And because when I was thinking of this, I was introduced or invited to play in Jamie's <laughs> Call of the Cthulhu game. I'm like, hey, I got to have all kinds of things going in my head there. So, yes, that kind of a theme to it. Okay. All right. See, I came up with two. Mm-hmm. Um, mine was more like these, like this world where there's lots of freelancers and mercenaries and mercenary companies, and they're kind of working for um, the de- various different um, factions um, that we would come up with. And uh, you would play as mercs or freelancers, but it'd also be in a world where there's a lot of exploration. So you could have these exploration companies. Okay. And, and things like that. Um, so it would be more exploratory, a little bit, a little bit less investigative, and a lot more uh, not dungeon crawly, but like I don't know, like lots of wilderness hex call crawl type. Okay, that's cool. Have you ever, have you guys ever played um, the Kingmaker adventure path for um, Pathfinder? No, I did not. That's I kind of not. A, that's kind of a hex crawl <clears throat> thing too, where you kind of go to another hex, you randomly select, hey, here's what's here. You know, and you kind of do some exploration and kind of explore the map a bit. But. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, man. Okay. Okay. Do you have anything you would like to? What do you do got there, Brian? What do you have? For uh, this was one of the ones I didn't really brainstorm much on, but I, I was just uh, thinking earlier something like a rediscovery of the of ancient artifacts type of a theme, where you've maybe got like a could be like post-apocalyptic or it could be like, you know, early civilization tech and maybe you know, there's collapsed ancient empires with mysterious magical artifacts laying around and uh, you as early uh, uncivilized tribes are just trying to figure out what to do with it all. Hmm. 
Excellent. Okay, so so artifact. Uh, what would you call that? Like art discovery, maybe or something. Yeah, ancient artifact artifact. discovery from ancient empires. Cool. Um, Maybe even like, what if it was like? Okay, so what if we were talking? I'm trying to sell mine here. So what if we incorporated that into a part of the exploration that this? Oh, I like it. I I think those go hand to hand. To be honest. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, like the exploration and artifact discovery kind of mix that together, and we could even we could even throw in Burks. Yeah, could even be. Maybe different groups are hiring people to salvage and find stuff and bring it to them to gain power or something. And it could be, yeah, what? you know, yeah, it could be almost a race to find yeah, these absolutely. artifacts and discover too. And, and maybe we... the maybe the heads of the different various uh, factions could even be Cthulhu-esque type uh, horror gods or something. You could we could combine all of them. <laughs> oh, we could, or the or the things we're searching for could be uh, oh, could awaken Cthulhu. Could be people are trying to prevent some sort of horrific apocalypse. Yeah, and these yeah. these artifacts are needed for that. Absolutely, yeah. There could be some factions that want to awaken him, and some factions that are trying to prevent it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, that sounds really cool. All, All right. right. Well, I have I have arrows next to exploration. Freelancers and Mercs and ancient artifacts discovery from long lost empires. Because the rest of it, well, well, those are the three that we've picked so far (laughs) for our tone and theme, you know? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Those are the checkbox. And if the GM or DM, Mm. sorry, more of a GM (laughs) here, would want to make it more into a horror kind of thing, I think the the world will be open enough to, to let them do that. Well, we can incorporate the horror rules into it as a like a background thing if we wanted to. There you so, go. Like, like the madness rules and such. Because some of these artifacts could be quite powerful and could just cause madness, period. Absolutely. That's sweet. Okay. All right. So on to the next pillar, which is really the 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 world or the environment. Now, this kind of <laughs> this is kind of cool. I'd like to go first because I had this really cool idea. And Chris even was like, after he wrote his, he was like, oh, that one's really cool. So I had this idea of (laughs) this world where the, there's these extra planar manifest zones where, because this, these ancient elder elementals had basically been slain by the current gods and pieces of these elder elementals fell to the world and created these elemental manifest zones, which then became these various different kingdoms. So you have, you know, an Earth Kingdom and here. I know it sounds kind of avatarish, but it wouldn't be <laughs> it wouldn't be kung fu or anything like that. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. There is <laughs> but, totally uh, nothing wrong with that, by the way. <laughs> We're Avatar fans too. <laughs> but like you could even like you could even have your 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 the the air people worship not just like or the people who live in the air zone have not just, they're divided into separate factions too, where you have the four winds, you know, the North wind, the South and the West and the East winds. Um, And it could also kind of be post-apocalyptic. Like like there was this huge war between the gods and the elementals. Right. Well, if these pieces of elementals fell to the earth, you know, or whatever you would create, it would, I would think it would create some sort of post-apocalyptic thing. Yeah. And there'd be, I mean, just, Huge fire zones of where elemental fire manifested, and of course, these would affect magic in various different ways, also. That's cool, yeah. I like that. I like that. What do you got there, Brian? Uh, nothing as cool as that. 
<laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> hey, all I, hey, it's a brainstorming session. All ideas are cool. All ideas until, are cool. Just some aren't as not. cool as Tony's. <laughs> until they're not as cool as Tony's, right? <laughs> no, I, Go ahead. I, that, I like that. I don't, ha- I don't have much to add here. Not much okay. to add to that? Well, for me, you, for me, again, kind of thinking that whole Cthulhu thing, but going from what you're talking about, maybe it's post-apocalyptic further off in a more developed, like they have recovered, the world has recovered from the apocalypse, right? And it's kind mm-hmm. of moved forward to a Victorian age steampunky mm. type. Where it's kind of like coal pollution based, but I don't know if it'll um, mesh well with yours. But anyways, that was my idea. Where it's more well, what Victorian. If, Go ahead. What if where the people live are these Victorian age cities, and the wilderness is where the mm-hmm. manifest zones, like the safe zones, like the yeah, safe zones so are have... like these cities that are coal based Victorian age cities, but outside is more post-apocalyptic so you've got these pillars of not pillars but points of light if you will oh yeah basically your your contrast is that you have these victorian age cities that are just polluted with soot i mean maybe they're even domed in and they're and Mm -hmm. they're using you know this energy that they find from the earth and they're they're polluting their own environment but they can't go anywhere else because if they step outside they're in these huge elemental uh manifest zones where you know earth uh maybe that's what's maybe that's what's driving our tone and our theme of trying to find these ancient artifacts to solve that problem maybe that's like that problem it's like fallout you're the vault dweller that has to leave the safe zone and go and find the water chip to save your vault (laughs) (laughs) there you go that's cool. And different yeah. and maybe maybe you may have different different um different um what do you call those? Um exploration groups or um what do you call that? Ex- expeditions. You may expedition have multiple companies. expeditions expedition companies that are in one city or each city is basically its own expedition company that's trying to do this or however you want to do it. Or maybe there's just one real big city. Well, you like the idea of competing, like rate, the, like it's a race oh, yeah. to capture these artifacts. Maybe yeah, these absolutely. artifacts that, okay, maybe these artifacts, these elemental pieces, so to speak, uh, and pieces of the gods' weapons from the from that war, could be um, an alternate power source instead of these fossil fuels that they're oh, burning yes. through and that are polluting their their cities. Mm-hmm. And these people send out these exploration teams to find them into these horribly dangerous manifest zones where there's, you know, monsters and elementals and 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 the people that go there, you know, you could have again dipping into the other sections here. You have the magic section where you have kind of uh, people who are experts in elemental magic that are the some of these people that are experts in the elemental magic make it easier to explore into those manifest zones. Cool. What do you think of that? I like that. I think it sounds awesome. Yeah. I like that. Okay. So the cool. So we're kind of a post-apocalyptic extraplanar manifest zones, Victorian age polluted <laughs> city type. 
<laughs> yes, exactly. That's what we we're can't doing. Find it all. We're totally like we're totally taking every brainstorming idea and making yeah. them work together. Why not? Man? I don't. That, that, That's that, what a good GM does, man. I don't know if that was what our original intent was, but it seems to be cooler than anything I could come up with myself. That's yeah. right. It's, it's the kitchen sink approach. Yes, yeah. most definitely. You know. Not to steal, but this reminds me a little bit of Winter Eternal. Um, <laughs> but except for Doesn't that's it? just like everything outside of their cities is fucking cold as hell <laughs> because their sun blew up. Um, oh wow! Yeah, I don't think yeah. I've, I don't think I, I, I've heard about it, and, I've, and I think yes. I've listened to the Wild Die a couple times. I think they they had talked about it on there, but haven't really. Yeah, that's a savage paid attention. That, uh, savage World setting done by Justin Sert Imagination, and they. Uh, they basically there's these cities that are underground cities mm-hmm. um and domed in cities they I, I think they're called enclaves i can't remember but okay. um and they are separated by miles and miles of arctic wilderness and like super super like death cold if you're out in it for any length of time it kills you uh and there's these explorations that go out and search for artifacts and it was a fantasy world that had a its sun explode and it's what's left of it. Oh, wow. huh. That's so, cool. Yeah, uh, just kind of where we were <laughs> kind of talking. It, it almost sounded a little bit like that, but it's not yeah. the same. <laughs> <laughs> okay, That's cool. Um, on to I think we've got a good idea of what we want. I think so. so. Uh, we want kind of a exploratory tone, but we also want um, almost like warring factions with a little bit of horror thrown in, right? I think war- horror can can be. I think okay. that's one of those things where we could put rules in there for it, but it's one of those things where it. I don't know if that will be like a main theme, but it could potentially be. If okay. a, if GM or DM wants to, if a GM wants to pull horror in. Not every not every group will be will want to, but yeah. for us here, I'd like I like some horror. <laughs> I like for it well, to you be know I like possible. horror too. I mean, I've I've been writing that um, deep madness. Oh yeah, uh, dude. Thing for uh, um, con, uh, Nerds International Virtual Con, and it's mm-hmm. definitely a Cthulhu esque uh, Genesis game. So yeah. Um. All right. Well, the next thing is we want to decide uh, what kind of playable races we're going to create or archetypes uh, mm-hmm. we would like to kind of throw in. <laughs> now, uh, this may be another kitchen sink concept, but I had this idea <laughs> um, because of the whole elemental extra planar manifest zone type thing. I had this idea that uh, some of these creatures could be what we would call amalgams or they would be part elemental mm-hmm. or they would have an elemental bloodline, so yeah. to speak. Like a That'd human that has these, that ha- like a humanoid that kind of has these elemental. It's like yeah. a, kind of like Genesee or what are they called? Genesee as they call Genasi, it. Genesee yeah. or Genesee from, from D&D. Yeah. Oh. That's yeah, cool. kind of, sort of like that, but more along the lines of like they are actually, like they don't just have blue skin and with <laughs> wispy hair if they're right, right. an air person. Like <laughs> they not only would have, um, they would have, they would almost be a manifestation of air, not oh, human. Cool. <clears throat> they would be a manifestation of air. They would be this being made of cloud or whatever or vapor, or in mm-hmm. the case of like the. Um, um, 
the earth ones they would be a like a living gemstone of some kind oh, that's that cool. walks around that's that human really cool yeah you could make that with some pretty powerful upsides but you could also balance it probably pretty well with some you know not too debilitating, but some you know right. negative aspects too. Just well, like about. a fire elemental guy doesn't really read a lot of books. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't think. Yeah. <laughs> Clothing not an option. <laughs> exactly. Um, so you're seeing, so you're seeing these. So I, you know, the first thought that kind of came into my head when you're talking about that is some of these freelancers and mercs. If you have an elemental on your team, one of these people on your team. They could potentially help find these artifacts that you're looking well, for. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. And or they could be a hindrance if they're in the wrong elemental manifestation. <laughs> That's zone. a good point. That's if a they're point. a fire guy in a water zone, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I told you. Oh, you're you're making it. You're making a fire dude. Oh man, this part of the campaign is going to be completely underwater. <laughs> we need, well, this entire campaign is an underwater campaign. Bummer, dude. <laughs> we'll just call you Sputter. Yeah, exactly. Uh, do you have something there, Brian, for a race? Uh, um, well, one of the things that I like sometimes, I don't know if it would work in this particular campaign we're coming up here, of but uh, I like to have I like yeah. to have lots of different humans where you know where they're differentiated based on their tribe or location or clan type of thing um i'm not sure if that works here or not but uh, would you think maybe human city states where each culture is a little different yes yeah like uh, yeah absolutely that type of thing oh cool i'll make a note of that well we're and you know we could even each human uh city state could have a separate archetype of its own right 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 Maybe, uh, maybe the one that's closer to a Earth uh, manifest zone uh, or stone manifest zone or something, you know, is more brawny or something. And less your laborers, agile, maybe your like laborer, yeah. yeah, like a labor type, yeah, something like that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What about you, Chris? You got dwarves. one. <laughs> dwarves. Okay. Yeah. We gotta have dwarves. We have, have dwarves. to have. Now, Every this setting is, should have dwarves. Yes, yeah. and the thing is, there may have to be a faction of like the dwarven mafia. What if we <laughs> threw the trope of dwarves on its head a little bit? Here's an idea All I just right. came up with. What if okay, okay, so you want to have dwarves? What if okay, so the human lands are these people that live down on the ground and in these domed cities. What if the dwarves were the people that made the domed cities for them? Yeah. And the okay. dwarves are nomadic. Ooh. They're what? And I'm sorry? They're nomadic. nomadic. And they ah, travel okay. in these large moving enclaves where they go from city to city repairing or building. Oh, Instead yeah. of having Ooh. underground, they have these huge machine cities that they drive from place to place. That would be pretty cool. Through manifest zones and things yeah. like that. They're like almost like giant uh oh what's the oh what's the well, movie that's coming out exactly mortal engines or something mortal like engines that? that's exactly what Driving if it was like city that to city. <laughs> cool <laughs> what if the dwarves were also partly responsible for the yeah. break uh, you know the the apocalypse maybe they had a hand as uh, tinkerers and you know f- 
forge craft of breaking up the elementals. Maybe it was a, an ancient, super powerful dwarven smith that created the weapon the gods used. Yeah, yeah. So maybe as penance, they're 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 they've been forced to go around and save the rest of the world. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I like that. So they, they they bear a lot of guilt. You know, they're kind of not happy. <laughs> a dour dwarves. I mean, who's ever heard of a dour dwarf? Right, but I mean, they still have some of the dwarven tropes. They're blacksmiths and oh, they're builders, but, they're, they're, yeah. but yeah, they're also kind of like, you know, there's, no, there's that nomads really... that move from place to place. I yeah, thought that, that was cool. Really cool. That does sound cool. That's right. cool, dude. That is pretty cool. Yeah, my other my other idea was, and this was kind of more from the Victorian age thing, would be like clockwork humanoids, like these tinkerers. I think of that. I think of Hellboy. Right, and that main bad guy. Oh, that, yeah, yeah. You know, and you know, hey, what maybe about, go go ahead. What about clockwork droids? We'd use the droid thing from Star Wars as a oh, kind yeah. of a, a clockwork template clockwork for humanoids. that. Yeah, use droids. They could be made by the dwarves. Yeah, what if the dwarves were the were the droid droid mechanic type people? Yeah, that'd be cool. Ooh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I like incorporating all these ideas. I don't know about my last one. My <laughs> last one was kind of, I don't know, I all of a sudden wanted this to be very Mad Max. And the, <laughs> there's um, these tribes of mutants that move about the wasteland. Um, they're not even, like, they're more, like, beastly mutants. They they could be an adversary or something like that in this setting. That's what but I, I, that's what oh, I think. Oh, yeah. I think so. Yeah. It, you know, it kind of reminds have either of you ever read uh, The Dying Earth? Uh, yes, stories. yes, years so, ago. Yeah, so you know, do you remember when you leave civilization in that world, the the out in the wilderness? There's all these creepy, just super creepy and super powerful and super deadly, like critters and mutants and crazy humanoid things that basically kill anybody who goes out there. It's so it all wild. It's all crazy. That. It all yeah. wants to eat you. Yeah, yeah exactly. I remember yeah. that? Yeah, <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, cool. All right. Well, I, I yeah. I think we've got some racial archetypes. I mean, pretty much, if we have the four elements, we have yep. maybe, I don't know, maybe four or five human archetypes mm -hmm. um, from the various different cities. Mm -hmm. And then your dwarves and your clockwork, you're looking at six, lot, yeah. six, ten, about 11 races or archetypes. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, that's cool. I, I even threw a note in here that the amalgams could be potential um, adversaries too. I granted all of these could be, but there could be right. your your the just the elementals, you know, your pure elementals that are out there. You're right in the apocalyptic areas. Okay, outside the cities. All right, cool. Cool. <laughs> all right, so that brings us to. Magic and technology. Now, these are two different kind of sides to the same coin, but really they are separate. Um, True. True. Now, Chris, what did you want? What did you? What were you thinking? Well, I I, I didn't kind of I didn't go outside the box on this any, but I was thinking <laughs> that arcane could be a you know just an arcane like just straight from the core book, right? Be, a, be okay. a magical magic power. The other one I was thinking 
was runes. And these are, you know, from the dwarves that I, when I was thinking of the races, I'm thinking runes. And maybe some of these clockwork humanoids have runes in them, or they're, you know, you know what I mean? Okay. Like the dwarven runes have maybe, you know, they're, they're the creators, you know, the mechanics. Maybe they use rune magic to do that stuff. That was my thought. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, I mean, not the. Isn't that like kind of basically what Realms of Terranoth did? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> maybe you could combine that. Maybe the runes are <clears throat> based on shards or whatever these artifacts are from the elemental manifest zone. So maybe the runes are attuned to a specific element or something like that. So you could have air runes and water runes or whatever. Elemental runes. Maybe that kind of goes into maybe one of your ideas there, Tony. Yeah, one of my ideas I had was elemental magic, and mm-hmm. basically the magic that on, the only magic that is available is from the four elements. It's drawn from these manifest zones. It's drawn from yeah, that's right. Uh, that was kind of what I was thinking. That and then of course some divine magic from gods is what I was trying to uh, think about. But I don't know. Maybe we do have. Um, Maybe we do have arcane like sorcery, and then have on top of that the elemental runes that are a separate um, magic type, which would be almost combining the two, like I, like Brian said. Hmm. I'm wondering, hmm, like how would it work? That's what you want when you're thinking about your magic. How does it work? Like arcane right. magic is supposed to manifest this power from the creation leftover power from creation yeah. is generally what you what I would think when I think arcane magic it's like yeah, oh I mean, the leftover going going through kind of what we've come up with already I don't know if arcane really fits cuz I like I like more of the <sighs> the elemental theme to it you know what I mean yeah. where the power yep. comes from these primordial elementals that were destroyed yeah. like you had said before right so basically, maybe so maybe maybe instead of having arcane, divine, primal, whatever like Genesis has, maybe you get rid of all that, and then you just have you have a separate magic uh, skill for each of the elements, each of the four elements, maybe. Ooh. Right, but maybe we have a fifth one that mm-hmm. incorpor- incorporates all the old things that old arcane magic is, but it's that second idea of mine, and that's blood sorcery. Oh. How does that work? It draws, work? draws magic energy from people using their <laughs> life force to power the spells. So you basically Dark. you have to apply. apply Good, well, yeah, it's going to be something mostly villains are going to have. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something that you would really want your players to be tinkering yeah. around. With. But maybe if you want to leave <sighs> that as something, um, because there's tinkering going on with this blood magic in the background, it's, it's maybe awakening this ancient elder force that would incorporate the horror side of things. Mm. Oh, that's Ooh. interesting. I, I like, like that. I like it, yeah. I do. Because you said the, ori- the origin of the world was, <clears throat> excuse me, there was a war between the old gods and the elements. So mm-hmm. if the elemental magic comes from the elements, maybe this blood sorcery is a rediscovery of the, the magic the or whatever, the power gods. of the elder gods. Yeah, that'd be interesting. That'd be cool. Really yeah. Set them against each other that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right. So okay. So basically, our magic skills would be then 
one for each element. So you'd have earth magic, air magic, and yep. you could tie them to, you could even have them tied to specific stats and not necessarily have them all. Um, maybe, I mean, I'm just thinking, I'm spitballing here, but maybe like your earth magic is tied to brawn instead okay. of intellect. And um, your, uh, then your air magic is, what, what would you, uh, air magic would be maybe uh, cunning. cunning. Um, your water magic would be agility. Agility. Maybe. Yeah, and your earth okay. magic would be brawn, yeah. And then your uh, fire would be uh, presence. Presence, yeah, I like definitely. presence for fire, yeah, definitely. And then... <clears throat> You know, uh, then uh, blood sorcery would that could be, be willpower. Yeah. Willpower. So yeah. none of the magics are actually powered by intelligence. Intelligence is more of us for science and stuff like that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Intellect. Sorry. Well, it might be. You use that for knowledge. Of course, you'd still need knowledge skills or whatever. Maybe. Yeah. Right. Uh, I don't know. Well, that, then, that'd be well, then, well, then would you, then then would we pull in arcane and just link it to agility or not agility? <laughs> Intelligence. Intellect. Whereas Intellect. Just... I don't know if we need it, though. No? Maybe oh, yeah. we have psionics. I don't know. <laughs> like <laughs> that to intellect. But I honestly think leaving intellect for more of the science-y type stuff and being your like your builders. More like you could have yeah, alchemy, alchemy yeah. and um, science yeah. type guys. That, I mean, your mechanics, guys that the are... dwarves, yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the, intellect would be your main source for those skills right right that actually that's actually a nice segue into the tech part then because you said tech, yeah. magic and tech kind of go hand in hand here well that was just an idea that didn't uh no, no i like that i like that a lot actually i kind of like i kind of like how we threw magic on its head where yeah yeah everything else but intellect <laughs> and you could cast spells. <laughs> right. yeah it's good it's cool yeah <laughs> Well, I like the idea of your, like, you know, you had this kind of, now I see, picture these cities as being very steampunk inside yes. these cities. Um, mm -hmm. The cities themselves are, you know, dark, gritty, dirty, filthy, polluted places where, mm -hmm. but there's the, the people who live in the upper tiers don't experience that because by golly, it's nice and shiny and pretty up here. <laughs> of course they <laughs> <You> don't. <know? laughs> yeah. And yep. they... They would incorporate, you know, elemental magic right in the tech, right into their technology. Um, even, you know, yeah, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the way of doing that is to bring these el these elemental rune shards from all over the realms and these manifest zones. Bring them back to the cities where they can power more and more stuff with magic, as opposed to powering it with technology, because. The technology they've been powering it with is polluting their their small livable zones that they have. Yep. Yeah. It's an idea. Yep. It's a good idea. What, okay. what if what if we had some? I know Brian, you mentioned salvaging stuff earlier. Mentioned uh, like artifact finding. But what right. if there's? What if there was like those old gods had technology that was still out there? So we had maybe some advanced tech even hidden out in these wastelands that was used by the gods. It would I mean, any super advanced technology would be considered magic by an un, sure. you know, an untrained person. So, I mean, you know, you could even find I'm thinking 
blaster type weapons or yeah yeah that's kind of the idea i had was kind of like what was that movie stargate you know where it was like egyptian temples and gods but you know they were using like science fiction technology type thing so Mm -hmm. maybe you stumble across an ancient temple out in the desert or wilderness or jungle or something and you know yeah you Keep yeah, inside. It's, it's that whole it's that whole Asgard thing from like the Thor movies, right? Where, yeah, exactly. where where advanced technology is magic. It yeah, looks right. like magic, right? Yeah, they're using swords. But incorporating <laughs> some of like some of that into like because there probably weren't just like gods that used these. I'm thinking there weren't just gods that used um advanced technology too, but you might even have some biotechnology like mm-hmm. you know, this I'm picturing a guy who it picks up a device out in the middle of nowhere and all of a sudden it turns his arm into a tentacle and he's got this tentacle weapon where he can just reach out and touch or try to in, entangle people with his tentacle arm thing. That's I don't pretty, know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like cyberware, but it's super yeah. advanced bioware. That's cool. Leftover bioweapons from the war. Yeah, that'd be cool. Sweet, sweet. Yeah, one of the things that I had was have you guys ever watched that show Warehouse 13 from the sci-fi yeah, channel? So a lot of their quote-unquote artifacts, they basically found artifacts, brought them to the warehouse. The 13th warehouse, manifestation of this warehouse, right? And all of these dev- and a lot of these devices that they used to track down these artifacts were very antiquated Victorian age steampunky devices. Right. Okay. And that's kind of the feel. That's kind of the thought that I had when you when we when I was thinking of tech. I kind of had that thought in my mind. With that, you know what I mean. So, oh, so okay. Let's like we have these. Let's just picture this in my head. So we have <laughs> like you're talking about like a detector of some kind that's going. There's like this group of people is going out into the. Let's say they're going out into a fire manifest zone. Yep. And and they're all tricked out in this like brass armor and like <laughs> almost like spacesuit type stuff almost with, yeah with gears and steam coming out of it and stuff <laughs> and, that's along awesome. those lines. and yeah. one of the guys holds up this big like device that almost looks like an old clockwork device and is like using it as a detector to try and detect yeah, these. It may have that- like, and, and, you know, it's maybe got like vacuum tubes and shit on it, you know, like, <laughs> you know, that, you know, antiquated, you know, just kind of old looking, but still most definitely functionable. Yeah. <sighs> okay. All right. That's a thought. I don't okay. know if that's a, that, that deserves I mean- a, an arrow to say, yes, let's try that. <laughs> it's a possibility, but yeah. but I think the magic is tech thing is a yes. Oh yeah. Well yeah, I, I like the tech, idea tech of magic. the war between the 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 existing tech and this new source of magic tech that they're trying to mm-hmm. switch to, and it's so rare, and mm-hmm. and pe- some people want to use it to manifest their you know their their own magical powers, and other people mm-hmm. want to use it to like the super rich want to use it to um power their life make their life more comfortable yeah absolutely. Uh, yeah yeah so you have people out there that are like oh i want that rune shard for myself because it gives me the power to uh shoot flame bolts out of my arse but you know <laughs> somebody else yep. you know a rich person is like no 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 that's going to power my my fireplace sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah nice. so you have conflicts there you know well, absolutely yep. yep anything brian do you have anything for tech? For the tech, yeah. Uh, no, I don't. I no, think we've covered it. 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think we've beaten the tech horse to death. <laughs> so magic is tech. What else did we did we have here? Salvage Steam. tech, and then your steampunk antiquated. I think we got them all. <laughs> we worked them all in, so we we molded it together, dude. That's that right. was really what this original idea was supposed to be. <laughs> Pour it all in the bowl and see what we get. That's right. <laughs> it's jungle juice. It sounds pretty. I mean, I'll be honest, man. So far, it sounds pretty cool. I'd actually like to play in this uh, setting. Hey, we uh, will. We will. Don't that's worry. the idea. That We're gonna idea. Like, take and build this world over the next few you know months and then make it free to everybody that's my that's idea anyway that'd be awesome yeah. yeah man i'd be up for it <laughs> cool. okay all right and then kind of my last i mean we've been doing this but this uh, idea of who's in charge what are the major conflicts and who would be the adversaries that the players would be uh facing mm-hmm. <laughs> so well, yeah Go ahead, Brian. No, no, I just uh, – go ahead, Brian. What do you have there? Oh, well, I think we've kind of already talked about it, but I actually had written down uh, small-scale city-states city states, like in uh, Primeval Thule. But I think okay. you could – I think we've already actually kind of adapted that where we said, you know, you have these individual little uh, yeah. domed cities that are each kind of their own thing. So, but they're, yeah. they're like mega-cities. They're like mega-cities, sure. So – but because the resources are limited, I think you've got – you know, not necessarily each city altogether, but like you say, the rich people, the people that can fund expeditions or whatever, are it's mm-hmm. a race to go and get the artifacts. So, so you almost racing? got class. Oh, you got class warfare within the cities, and the city okay. states themselves are trying to keep their cities their city alive, right? Okay. Right. Yep. Class warfare, and then city versus city kind of thing. Yeah. Who can race? Who can save their city the quickest? Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, I just wanted to kind of capture that. And I, you know, and one of my ideas was that this conflict is on a global scale. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of assumed, right? Almost. Yeah. Kinda. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and then you have the neutral party would be these builders, the dwarves. They go from they move in there. Maybe there's like I don't know, only a handful. Maybe there's even only one now, last dwarven enclave, which is the dwarven enclave that moves from place to place, and it is neutral like uh, the to everything. Enclave. <laughs> yeah, maybe one or maybe two or three. Not very many. They're very they're few and far between. Maybe there maybe there is even maybe there's even a couple of lost ones out there. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. That would be interesting. I would say neutral to the dwellers in the city-states, but they could still be uh, preyed upon by whatever's out there in the wasteland. So that could could be an adventure hook, you know, to go and almost like a caravan guard or something, protect the dwarven enclave or something. Yeah, like they're neutral to the city versus city conflict. Like these warring warring cities against each other, they're not, uh, you know, that's, it's kind of a, I don't know. It'd almost be a cold war because they're they. You can't send armies into a wilderness that is a wasteland that is filled with elemental danger. Right. Um, so these cities are basically <clears throat> performing like large scale espionage or corporate warfare against each other, almost. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you have the dwarves are just oh nope nope we're just here to make things for you and make money doing it. That's it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. One of one of the adversary groups that I kind of I kind of noodled upon was this anti-tech terrorists. That sounded <laughs> cool. I liked that idea. So, so maybe, maybe they're maybe the elemental purists are anti 
Oh my tech. God. Yeah. Like there's there's these maybe factions amongst the elemental amalgam communities of their own where they're just like no technology is what destroyed what caused the war That's between right. you know, the, exactly. the gods and the elementals and no yeah. we they 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 eschew all technology they're like strictly worship the elements they're you know <sighs> tear down the bubbles and let the elemental chaos evolve all humanity, man. See what happens. Elemental theorists <laughs> all about the chaos. <laughs> the and they could be. And I think it's great to have like the amalgams leading it. Some of Absolutely. like each one. Yeah. So you'd have, you not not only that, but you'd have the anti-tech ter- terrorists that don't like each other. Like you have the earth and the and the air terrorists yeah. that just absolutely hate each other. Yeah. Um, okay. But are forced cool. to together from time to time to stop technology and that would be you know mm-hmm. another conflict you could have um and and one i had was of course you know i had that kind of elemental war and i think <clears> this rates <throat> that yeah um but i also had this uh, one where i had the sa- scavengers versus warlords which i think is the class warfare that we were talking about yeah. the half bots versus the halves yeah yeah I think it might be interesting. You could even have almost like a, I had civil war inside a single kingdom, but I think you could adapt that to the setting and say maybe inside of a single city or it could even be in all the cities, but at least one you have like maybe multiple uh, noble houses or, you know, whatever you want to say, rich houses that are, you know, vying for supremacy inside of a single city. Oh, you could have like two major warring houses, one that believes in the old technology and one that believes in the new. Yeah. And yeah. and they're like merchant houses. I'm thinking yeah, yeah, absolutely. here. You know, oh, like of course. The, yeah, of course. Yeah. Like the, yeah. yeah. Like it, just picturing the two side, you know, opposite sides of things. You've got the, you know, the the Harkonnens and the and the Atreides, you know, they're right. pretty much idealistic opposites. Right. Um, yeah, it could be interesting. Yeah. You could I'm also uh, <laughs> Sorry. No, I'm too. I am too. I'm just looking at all my notes and I'm going. I'm, I love all of this. There isn't anything here that I want to throw away. <laughs> you could. Uh, <laughs> this might be a little too too goody two shoes for some people, but uh, you know, since I always try to run a family game, yeah. uh, <laughs> you could have something where you have almost like a paladin or a holy organization that's trying to capture these things and not for you know rich people, but you know for the haves. But wants them to make a better world for the whole city, you know, the have-nots even or something. So there's yeah. always this constant struggle, you know, between them and the the rich folk, maybe. Yeah, maybe like a a charitable church that is trying to do yeah. so for the greater good of mankind, exactly. as exactly. opposed to their own greed. Just for their own greed, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. Church of good people. Exactly. That's how I was writing it. <laughs> Church of good people. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, you know. Be, they could be paladins or something. Almost like, uh, what, is it, what is it called in Fallout? The Iron Brotherhood? Steel? I, no. Brotherhood of Steel. Brotherhood of Steel, but without being jerks. Right. right. <laughs> like actual good Steel Brotherhood. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> we could call them the Founders. Because they want to found a new society that's Ooh, yeah. utopian. There you go. Sweet. All right. Excellent. Wow, that's a that's a lot of pretty good stuff for a brainstorming. 
What have we missed? What do we need? What else do we? What else? Do, any other ideas floating in your heads? There's lots of ideas floating in my heads now, but well, both of brain, them. It's called brainstorming for a reason. <laughs> both your heads. <laughs> well, brainstorming for a reason. <laughs> we yeah. We didn't talk about careers. I mean, I guess Genesis is kind of easy to make careers. They're really just a bundle of skills. But I don't know. You could talk no, about careers. No, that's that's cool. No, Let's throw that careers. out there. Yeah. So what I mean, you. Thinking? Unique careers. Yeah, unique yeah. careers. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea <clears throat> of um, making the various different um, elemental magics a career because mm. their skill set would be a little different for each one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, basically you would have. Um, like an elementalist. An like an elementalist yeah. career, right? Yeah, an elementalist. Uh, which you would have an air elementalist, an earth, a water, and a fire, and each one would have maybe a different mi- minor changes in the skills. Like each one would, of course, have magic as their prior like magic. Yep, yep. And, and but then have a kind of a group of skills that um, uh, not enhances that, but what's the term I'm searching for? Um, uh, Augments it like the knowledge. Synergizes with it. Yeah. Synergizes with it. Yeah. See, the man knows where I'm pulling thinking. out the corporate buzzwords. There you go. <laughs> Synergy. So, baby. <laughs> oh, like you're okay. I go back to like the earth element. Okay. This guy uses brawn. So, <laughs> brawn, he, he, he has brawl is a skill for him. Oh, yeah. yeah. Resilience is a skill Resilience, for him. Resilience. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. So, and then a couple other like he'd have lore, knowledge lore, so that he could. You know, augment his spells with that, but then on top of that, he would have you know a couple other skills that all fit into uh, focusing towards brawn. Yeah. Okay. Or t- towards the earth element. You know, survival mm-hmm. would be an, another one, um, even though it's not brawn based, but survival fits an earth elementalist. Um, and uh, I mean, that's an idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think something like a tinkerer or oh, yeah. one of these mechanics. Oh, I like the idea of a tinkerer. Um, like, or even a mad scientist type. Oh, <laughs> there yeah. Is, there totally. is a mad... Here, look, let's look at the mad <clears throat> science. So there is a mad scientist. I have, I have the careers, I, I have the careers in there. And just call it... Mad um, scientist, steampunk, weird war. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there we go. So what they have is... Al- <gasps> There's your alchemy. Coercion, uh-huh. knowledge, mechanic. Oh, that's cool. That's awesome. Yep. And explorers. We're going to want to have just explorers that are, um, you know, focus on being scouts and finders of things and whatnot. Yep. Um, but you could have sort of leader of- class too, right? That's kind of a. I mean, you maybe, can have maybe, maybe all kinds ex- of different city classes. You think about it. You could even do an entire campaign in one city where you have socialites and um, entertainers and and right, right. Um, laborers. Yeah, little laborers, and you have all these different um, city classes, so to speak. You could even yeah, absolutely careers. Yep. But I had this. Uh, I had another one. It was in my head, and it just kind of whoosh, gone. Um, <laughs> oh, the blood mage. Uh, doing uh, doing an actual class for a blood mage and making it optional, because if you don't want to go down that route and you'd rather have them stay as antagonists, but making it an optional thing, where you could have very much like um, uh, Terranoth, they have the rune caster as a optional. Right. right. Um, oh, this would yeah, be yeah. an optional kind of <clears throat> uh, magic user that the the 
players may not necessarily get their hands on if the GM doesn't want them to. Um, but it would still, there would be a career there if you wanted to have a blood mage in your group and you were okay with it as a GM. There you go. That's cool. You know what would be interesting to me would be, um, and it could also create conflict with the uh, pure amalgams, but what if you had humans that uh, combined you know, two or more of the elements, um, you know, into a new type of magic that drew from both. So Ooh. if you had, you know, like, what uh, if they turned, yeah. they turned the elemental magic into a science that combines them. So that yeah, well, yeah. Our, like that would give us our mad scientist kind of is feel. That what mad, also, that, that's what I'm thinking. Is that what our mad scientist would be doing? Yeah, that would basically be what alchemy does. I think alchemy and such that, that, that it, combines the elements in ways that they come up with new effects but the elemental purists are absolutely going to hate oh, that. Oh they're going to hate that. Absolutely. Yeah, it'd be yeah. a huge conflict, yeah. And it gives something okay. for that intellect skill to do. Um, yeah. with, you know, oh dude, I'm now I I'm picturing these weapons like quasi-elemental stuff. Remember in the old D&D where you had the quasi-elementals that kind of combined two elements together. Like a smoke elemental which combined yeah. like air oh, and yeah. fire or something. Yeah, water and fire. Exactly. Steam elemental. Lightning (laughs) elemental, which was air and, you know. Earth? Maybe. Earth. uh, I don't remember what it was. Mud elemental. Combining earth and water. (laughs) Yeah. Lava elemental that combined uh, earth and fire. Yeah. uh, Exactly. Yeah, that'd be cool. Well, damn it. Stop it. Okay, lava. (laughs) Smoke. (laughs) What was the other one? What's steam, steam, steam. Fire and that's water. Air. Yeah. That's air. Mud. Is that? Oh, that's air. That's fire. I came up yeah. mud. Well, I guess earth and water. Would, well, I don't know. Mud. That's cool. Maybe. Yeah. If you looked it up, I'm sure you'd find some. There's somewhere <laughs> I can't remember. You okay? So you had you had earth and water was mud. You had uh, air mm-hmm. and uh, fire is smoke. You had was it um, air and fire smoke? Yep. And you had. Uh, Water and fire is steam. Steam, yep. Oh, you can have all kinds of different ones because there's four of them, right? Fire and water is lava. There there would be a total of eight after you did them all, I think. Maybe more. Twelve, six. So that's a start. And I'm going to put dot, dot, dot. (laughs) (laughs) We can enumerate. But But the mad scientist, so would that be kind of our mad scientist or was there something... No, I think that would be what their powers, what their things would do, would be combined for effects like that. Yeah. So the um, mad scientist. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. You would combine to combine the. I'd say, alchemy combining the elements. Yeah. So you know, I'm thinking. Okay, magic. Okay, for instance. Okay, you're a fire elementalist. All right. So for instance, applying the fire trapping or the fire attribute to any spell you cast is free. Mm Hmm. Whether you're fire healing or a fire barrier or whether it's a fire attack it does not matter it's free for you yeah and and you do not dabble in any of the other elements all of your attacks or your uh uh, your defenses all are fire-based cool now by now by combining them and being able to do various different effects with earth and i mean so a fire caster is not gonna be able to do what earth guys can do an earth guy can entangle people with roots and shit like that and um that's true and and snare that's the term i'm searching for um and casting people into um 
stone, so to speak. Um, cool. Like these grasping hands that come up out of the earth and grab and stuff like that. Um, that would be a example of an earth attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. by combining the two and having you know a lava fist that oh, comes yeah. out of the well, that maybe this uh, mad scientist has come up with a way to create a lava fist that manifests and ensnares and burns people at the same time. Yeah, that'd be awesome. It may not be, maybe it's unstable and not as powerful, or maybe he is requires that he has to tweak it constantly or, you know, maybe it costs more strain. Yeah. Costs more strain was exactly what I was thinking. Yes. (laughs) But, you know, he'd be more versatile in more areas of the world, but at the, at the downside of being completely, Absolutely hated by all the purists. Yeah, yeah I like nice. that. Yeah, awesome. All right. Well, that's cool. Yeah, we got a lot of stuff that we did here. I'm getting a nice. I'm getting a nice view picture. Yeah. Of this, yeah. you know. Yeah. Now <laughs> I would need to cough. You know, the hardest part of this whole thing is to be coming up with a name for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's what because, we have our because, tens of listeners do. Because Shark World was taken. Okay. Shark <laughs> Shark World. Because it's just a bunch of crap. <laughs> I looked it up. It's taken. Don't look it up. By what? Way. Oh man. <laughs> you don't want to hold that rabbit hole. I'm just saying. Cool. Well, that's a that's a great start to a brainstorm on this world, man. I think we could we can roll. We can run with this, can't we, Tony? Yeah, and then we can go dive into each section individually. Come with the way our magic works. You know, we've got yep. an idea now of immediately how it works, but mm-hmm. um, and then because we combine we'll all of our ideas together, all right. of our brainstorming ideas into one thing. <laughs> so be it. Yep. <laughs> Which <laughs> and, created a pretty cool thing, by the way. Yeah. But, I mean, then we've got, you know, like we said, we've got to go through, we got to do and create all the species or mm-hmm. archetypes. we got yep. to go through and um, come up with setting rules for the horror aspect and come up with setting rules for how our runes are going to work and yep, come up yep, with yep. setting rules for how our, or setting rules or how our magic is going to work, which I kind of described how I had it in my head a little bit. And then mm-hmm. each one of those can be aspects that we go through and, and talk about in future episodes. Cool. cool. I like that, man. So, okay. The last part I wanted to talk about this was okay. So how do you how do you do a brainstorming session? What's the experience like? Because I wanted to talk about you know what was it like for you, Brian, when you did yours, and now for us. I mean, we've kind of kind of just done this whole hey, look what's in the pot. (laughs) (laughs) It was a wall that made it fit. (laughs) Right. Is that kind of the way it worked for your family? Like everybody just kind of came up with an idea and then (sighs) tried to incorporate all ideas. Well, actually, you know what was interesting was again we used that uh, that sort of set of rules called microscope, and um, one of the things that it has you do at the very beginning is you create a list of things things you want to have in and things you don't want to appear in the setting, and each uh, each person goes through and gets to choose you know uh, one thing for each of those lists. So that's actually how we ended up with the anthropomorphic races. Um, 
is someone said, you know, they didn't want any humans or elves. <laughs> and uh, so Good when it came them. time to create races, you know, we <laughs> couldn't have humans or elves, so we had to come up with something else. But Oh, uh, I think we should have elves, but they should be extra planar aliens that come oh, along sure, every absolutely. once in a while and abduct people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Or they're mutants out there in the wasteland somewhere. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, they're yeah. mutant freaks. humans. They became tree-worshipping elves. Yeah, they're freaks out there. Yeah. So, or so when emo, we did it, that or, was or, or, or emo scimitar wielding, you know. No, 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 no scimitars. Come on. <laughs> Boo. Oh, that's cool. That so belongs. So you had to come up with stuff. So you had to come up with something that wasn't in there. So you kind of, kind of did the right. opposite and throw. You're like, yeah, we just don't want this. Well, then of course I said I wanted to have dwarves. So you know. <laughs> well, yeah, that's good. I mean, uh, so I mean, that was one way that we kind of approached this instead of just before we threw everything in the pot. So, but again, the rule system that we were using to generate it, uh, you know, led us through that as a part of the process. So I think it was good cool. though. Yeah. So as far I mean, as far as our little um, hodgepodge method here, you think a group could sit down together and do the very same thing and come up with their own unique oh, world? I think so. Absolutely. You know. Okay. If they're creative enough, sure. That's or right. drunk. Or drunk. Or yeah, you know that too. That helps. <laughs> Fireball helps everybody. <laughs> if you're of age, children. If you are of age, that's true. <laughs> Here on the uh, Finding a Narrative podcast, we not condone <laughs> creating settings and drinking at, at underage. <laughs> nope. Grown-up fun. Go away. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, well, here in the great state of Michigan, we'll soon be able to uh, smoke our weed and do that, too, by the way. Uh, it's on the ballot this year. <laughs> but anyhow. <laughs> um, medicinal. Medicinal. No. No, recreational, recreational. Well, That's what they're doing. Then. It's going to be interesting. Yowzers. So. so what you're telling us is we got to get this setting completed with you before the vote goes into effect. <laughs> yeah. where, I work, where I work, I uh, I wouldn't be able to partake. So. Uh, I'm sure that rule won't change even if Michigan does. Yeah, yeah. That's true. So. Um. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I think we have a good set of pillars to build upon, and then we can go through and flesh out the individual walls and ceilings and floors and all that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I got a good sense of the the setting. It's pretty cool. Cool, yeah. All right. All right, so on to the next section then. Put setting the tone to rest. Yeah, sure. Everybody, welcome back. Here it's our favorite part of this part of the podcast: advantageous threats. Yeah, um, yeah. Tony and I have a couple of um, scenarios here. Brian will be jumping in as a guest GM to help adjudicate this. So feel free okay. to jump in there, Brian. Whenever. Roger. Okay. Um, would you like to go first, Tony? <laughs> of course. All I right. love the name of this dude, by the way. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. So my character, Hibiscus the Green Man, a druid-type primal caster in a modern supers setting, 
wishes to cast his improved signature spell, Awaken the Grove, to have some trees in Central Park come to life and march to Times Square to defend against an extra-dimensional kaiju monster. Wow. So... <laughs> That's uh, sweet. I hear Gimli going. I hear Treebeard going. <laughs> right? John, right? What was his name again? Uh, who? What? The guy who played Where? Gimli, who played Treebeard in in Lord of the Rings. Because oh. this is Treebeard. Oh, man. Jonathan Reese Davies talking to himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Voices. Yep. All right. So, uh so yeah, uh, this is going to be hard coded in as a difficulty for the spell because the way I figured it, it was uh, conjure, which okay. is difficulty one. Um, it okay. is uh, grand conjuring, so that's that adds two to it. Okay. Uh, um, and then you're trying to uh, plus one ally to uh, have them come friendly, so that that increases from one to three to four, mm-hmm. and then one additional. Uh, to add more um, trees than just one. Um, so that would normally be a five difficulty spell. But because it's his improved signature spell, mm-hmm. he reduces that by two. So the difficulty is just three purple dice. To make the trees wow. in Central Park come to life. That's right. pretty cool. Yeah. And since this is a supers setting, we yeah. use the supers setting rule in which his cunning is a super ability. Now, I don't know if anybody, everybody knows about the supers setting rule because a lot of people have bypassed it, but it's in the very back of the book. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's in the, um, that's in the, what do you call it? After tones? Genesis Core Rule Book in the tones on page 250. Super and heroes. basically, yes, what it uses for a rule is that you choose two of the characters, six characteristics to be super characteristics Mm -hmm. and then any skills they roll that use that characteristic uh, if they roll a triumph they get to add another yellow die Uh, roll it in it's basically exploding triumphs nice, Um, cool so for uh, Hibiscus, the green man (laughs) he has um, a four cunning and a four in primal magic. So he's going to start with four yellow dice. Okay. Now, what kind of situational crap are you going to throw at me this time, buddy? <laughs> All right. Well, first off, uh-huh. you're in New York, man. And, you know, yeah. no offense to all you New York people. You guys are fucking angry people. <laughs> so you're saying the trees are going to be angry, too? <laughs> the trees are going to be angry, man. <laughs> I mean, come on, that's an automatic red. That's not I'm not even gonna spend a story point. Man, trees right. in central in New York are gonna be automatically angry. There we go. Yeah, well they get getting pissed on all the time. <laughs> <laughs> is there a time constraint? Well, there is a giant kaiju monster raging around Times Square, so yeah, probably. So you're you probably one, pretty two, stressed two, out. Uh, I'll say maybe one or two setback there. Any thoughts there, Brian? Well, it's winter time, so it's cold, and the trees don't want to, you know, they don't want to come out of the ground and march around. So, <laughs> so that's another setback, guys. That's so another I'm looking setback. at one for time, one for the cold, mm-hmm. and an upgrade because the trees are angry. Right. Yeah. You guys yeah. Yeah. hate me anymore today? You going to do any more into this or what? Um, you know what? I think that, you know, as much as I would like to flip over a story point because these trees are super, super angry, no, we're good. Okay. It's clo- even well, though it's wintertime, it is near the Christmas holiday season. So they are kind of happy to. 
Maybe there's a few extra because you know they've got some some some. Maybe I can get go after a Christmas big trees? Christmas tree and it'll have dude. Lights. There's Christmas trees. You know what? Grab a grab a uh, grab a blue stack because there's some happy Christmas trees there too. Lots of extra Christmas trees around. All right, cool. All right. Well, I am going to spend a store point to upgrade, which will add a green die. So we are okay. at full rainbow on my die roll here. Full, hey, we always like it when it's full rainbow, man. That's right. All right. So here goes nothing. All right. Well, first of all, I had a triumph, so I will roll in another yellow die. Oh, that's cool. Okay, and that added two more advantage to my roll. So, um, we'll start off my. Uh, my oh, and by red the way, die the, the rules with that is if he would have rolled another triumph, it's another One. die, and you just keep yep. going. So, anyways, go ahead. Red die right, came nope. up with. Yeah, red die just came up with a single failure. That will cancel one of my yellow dice with a single failure on it. I had cool. the two purple dice each came back with one threat apiece. So mm-hmm. that will cancel another die, the die that I rolled in, the extra one with the two extra advantage. Okay. Uh, so that leaves me with one setback die with a failure on it and a setback die with a threat. I have another one of my yellow dice that has one of each of those. Cancel that out. Leaving me with a net of a blue die that came up blank. Um, so I have four successes and a triumph. Nice. So the Christmas trees didn't matter. The Christmas trees did not matter. No. Nope. <laughs> but with my triumph. Yes. So normally I would be able to add <clears throat> one extra ally for one advantage. With this okay. spell, because I took the in the spell, it has the additional allies. Yep, yep, yep. yep. So what I'd like to do with my triumph is say instead of having one tree, really big tree, I'm going to have five, four extra. Cool. That sounds good. So to grand me. total five really large trees, and I have one of them pick me up, and we start walking slowly towards Times Square. <laughs> nice. Well done, man. Way to go, hibiscus. Yeah. Oh, way to go, hibiscus. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good right. stuff. I can, about you, Chris? I can picture what that looks like, too. Oh, yeah, and I can picture what the rest of the superheroes in that team are going to be like, oh, God, what did he bring this time? <laughs> Are those so, the trees from Central Park? <laughs> so, yeah, I have a lot of notes here because <laughs> I had to work through all of this because there's some numbers crunching that I needed to do. Anyways, right. I yes. have, in a Tirthnoth campaign, not okay. any particular one, I have this guy named Killzak. He's a dwarven dragon hunter. What do you have against Zack? I know. He has... Kill Zach. Yeah, I want to kill Zach. I know. Kill Zach. He's, he's actually managed to get close enough to an ancient red or ancient dragon. And, you know, I just watched Reign of Fire the other day. <laughs> Remember Which that one with Matthew McConaughey? Critically acclaimed, but actually is kind of good. And yeah, Christian Bale. Yeah, and Christian Bale in that sucker. So I'm picturing. And Gerard Butler. Yeah, Gerard Butler's in that too. Yes, it's great. And um, I just picture him just leaping off this cliff, cliff wanting to bury this um, ancient an dwarven. Got to be an axe. Yeah, right? it's an ancient dwarven great axe. It's a signature right. weapon, man. That he wants oh. to just bury into this dragon head, just right into the head. It's called Dragon Blade. It's razor sharp, crap ton of damage. As he's leaping. Right, and as an as an incidental, he's going to activate his signature ability, flipping over a couple of story points, 
and um, activating his Rune of Severing, giving the axe a vicious five quality. Shite. Holy smokes. And, you know, he is is a badass, man. He's got a brawn of five, melee heavy of four. Um, He's a duelist, so it's plus a boost die against a single component. Single component. Opponent. Um, I know, I've been working on the, the Star Wars stuff. Anyway, and then a quick strike. He's basically getting a jump on this guy. Nice. And uh, he has um, Lethal Blows 2, so nice. if he does get a crit with this, you know, he's going to add 70. 70 Yeah, to this roll. Wow. So. If he crits with it, he's going to add 70% to the roll. Yeah, Good baby. Grief, and, you know, I'm dude. thinking, I'm like, yeah, dude, this guy could do it. He might be able to. How do you make a Vorpal weapon in Genesis, folks? Here That's it is. That's how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. However, comma, if anybody has seen Reign of Fire... <laughs> this this dragon could just eat him. Okay, just yeah. <laughs> don't go so well for Matthew McConaughey in that in no, that scene. Not. <laughs> so, all right. Anyways, so it you is got a serious. you have lucky strike. Lucky strike. It, I could I get to spend a story point to inflict wounds. So I'm so if I hit equal to my bond. if you hit. Wow. So okay. wow. lucky strike can be activated in the same turn that you activated your signature of durability because it is happening. After the roll. Correct. Now, I would not, if I wanted to use Lucky Strike, I would not be able to, I wouldn't um, be able to increase, I wouldn't be able to upgrade my check with a story point in this check. Okay? Correct. So, um, it is a, so basically I'm going to have the four yellow, one green because of the brawn and melee. I'm going to have a blue, two blue dice because of my uh, duelist and quick strike, and I'm going to be automatically adding an advantage because it's a superior weapon, being it's a signature weapon. Now, the base difficulty is normally two on a melee attack, right? But because of the size difference, this is a this is a silhouette three creature or silhouette four, so it's actually one purple. However, it's adversary two, so it's a red and a purple. Wow. To start with. So this is what I got. Come on, buddy. What you What's doing? What's the wound threshold on an ancient dragon? It's like 45. <laughs> I'm not going to... What I was... What You're I'm not going to one-shot it, but you can buy uh, Yes, I could. I could kill it if I roll... You if could I kill it with the right crit. crit. Uh-huh. That's kind of what we're going for here, folks. <laughs> he's, he's going all or nothing. <laughs> I'm metagaming the... Kill Zach. I, hey, I'm sorry, but I'm metagaming the fuck out of this... <laughs> This <laughs> but anyways, but him, but it is, but a character like this, it is possible now. He he's a dragon. Slayer. He's a dragon slayer, man. That's what they do. Yeah, sure. I can see it. They do. I would, I would laugh my hysterical an- anus off just to, uh-huh. for the uh, fact that you're uh, <laughs> you're trying it. Um, uh, and yes. as GM, I would, I would, just because you're. You're doing basically a leap off of high ground onto this thing, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. So It's going to hurt. But. So that's room uh, back. We're into territory for an auto upgrade. Yep. Because of the leap. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. All right. All right. So um, I don't have my Terranoth book with me. Does the Ancient Dragon have uh, defense? Uh, no, it doesn't. I have it up right now. It's got a wound okay. threshold of 45, by the way. <laughs> a soak value of eight, <laughs> but you know a, a dragon doesn't get to li- to be ancient without uh, 
a certain amount of you know instinct. Yep. You know, almost supernatural instinct at that. So I, I'm thinking, even though you're getting the jump on it, just at the last second, it's kind of like it's aware. Maybe a, a setback just for that. Okay. I'm good with that. One or two. Well, ancient dragon, man. I don't know. You Maybe do two. Two? Okay. Well, sure. <laughs> well, here's what I was thinking also. I mean, sure. if you're going to be sneaking up on an ancient dragon, mm-hmm. you ain't doing it in broad daylight. Yeah. Unless you're doing it in the dark. I'm doing it in the dark. However, you're a dwarf, so that one's not going to matter. But definitely it would be at night. Mm -hmm. But for a dwarf, I mean, they can immediately remove that setback die due to darkness. Or two of them or whatever. Yep. It's up to two due to darkness. That makes sense. Yep. Okay. um, Yeah. And then, of course, as a GM, as your GM, this is the big bad. If you put in your players up against an ancient dragon it's the big bad at the end of either a campaign (laughs) arc or at least the end of a very long adventure yep Um, story point worthy right (laughs) worthy to keep this thing around as a gm so flip and i I, brian there oh absolutely all right and that adds that actually adds a purple die so i've got four yeah again yet another rainbow roll (laughs) Um, we have four yellow a green Two blue, two red, a purple, and then we said two setback dice. Because this right. thing is cunning, it can see me, and it can smell me. It's smelling me. Well, I'm yeah. a dwarf, it smells me. <laughs> right? yeah. All right, here we go. Come on, kill Zach. Let's not kill Zach. Oh, wait a second, maybe that's the name of the dragon. <laughs> maybe the dragon's name is Zach. All right, here we go. Here we go. Okay, then. Okay, so you're not going to eat me. No despair, <laughs> just to let Darn. you know. All right. So we're going to cancel those. So I got some f- successes, f- some failures. <laughs> he's he's holding this one close to his sleeve. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. doesn't sound okay. like there's a triumph. <laughs> there's, there's not a triumph, but... He's, okay. he's like, do I have the advantage? Do I have a hit with yes, advantage? I yes, I do. I only need one advantage to crit the thing. So, all right. So I've got um, one, two, three, four failures canceled out by one, two, three, four, five, six (laughs) successes. Not going to do a lot of damage. But Uh, we have, well, I will, but I have two, two threat canceled by two or four advantage. Did you count in the advantage from superior? Three advantage. Thank you for that. Three advantage, okay. one success. So All this right. is what we're doing. So one success, two, two. Two, two successes. <laughs> My damage is a base twelve, so that's yep. going to be fourteen of his forty-five, which he'll soak with a eight. Soak of that. eight. <laughs> so he'll but take six. But what's most important though is this crit is a one. So I yeah. have <laughs> three, oh, no. and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to activate this three times. Which means I get to add a hundred percent to this crit roll. Oh so my! A hundred percent. Two, two more, so it's ninety, right? Yes, yeah, ninety. Ninety. Pardon me. Pardon me. Yep, ninety. So I get to 90. add. So, um, Tony, would the I guess in this case the GM or Brian, would you like to roll my percentile dice? Oh crap! You know what? I actually don't I have, have any dice near. I have some. So. All right. 
or Tony, do you want to go ahead and roll it? No, I don't have any on me. Go okay, ahead. Okay, here we this go. Is, okay. I wasn't expecting this. This is, <laughs> this is great. Yeah. All right, here I we was go. hoping you'd despair on this roll, and i just have the thing eat you. Well, but we have oh. to adjudicate that last, right? <laughs> All right, here we go. There we go. Oh. 92, baby! <laughs> here, let me take a picture. I'll take a uh. picture of it. So you've warpled this thing. Yes, oh, I he did. just beheaded an ancient attack. dragon with one blow. 182% everybody. That is a... What is that yeah. said on the crit chart? It's an auto-kill, right? That is a killed. Yes. Dead. In uh, 150 plus. Wow. <laughs> uh, now, does the ancient dragon have anything that helps mitigate that at all? Um... No. Okay, so Claws. so for future reference, <laughs> mine will have <laughs> the ability for the DM to turn two story points to reduce any one critical to zero one. <laughs> yeah, so everybody, yeah, so everybody, yeah, so everybody But the thing is, he was. A, but the thing is, the the thing that the ancient dragon does have is yeah. this word of unmaking. <laughs> yeah. Now, how often? Would Killzak be able to sneak up on a dragon, ancient dragon? Eh, who knows? But you know what? This is advantageous threats, baby. Right. And we're talking about, I mean, you're talking about a character who's looking at, boy, where you've got him sitting with all that stuff, he's probably sitting at 500 earned XP oh, yeah. with all the, um, to be able to have his signature weapon get, have so many different well, things on get, it. Well, to get to get the Rune of Severing, yep, that would, I'd have to have at least 50 for it to yeah. be an ancient weapon. To get lethal blows two though, lethal blows is a third tier a tier three or a tier yeah. f- I think it's a tier three, so I'd at least have to have a tier four uh talent. Right. And then I figure with a brawn of five you're gonna most likely have to have had dedication. At least uh, once. At least yeah, so that's a fifth tier. So yeah, so we're so t- you're you're talking two hundred and fifty to three hundred earned XP. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool, though. I, I, like it. <laughs> I had to try it, man. I wanted to see. I wanted to kind of get it so that it's like, oh, I got a fifty-fifty chance of just slaying this thing outright. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> that was excellent. All right. Well, that's advantageous threats. Unless you want to add one, Brian. No, no I'm good. You're good. All right. Yeah. All right. Oh, well, by the way, he had Pierce two on that axe too. Oh, so <laughs> that's important. Yeah. He took eight that's wounds before his head was lopped off. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Okay, so you're <laughs> you, you severed his tongue when you severed his head too. No, exactly. Now, did, did you talk about the words of unmaking? Could the dragon sense that the runebound shard is within medium range and make that daunting arcana check before the attack? It could Might potentially have. do that. Could potentially <laughs> do that. Have done that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm sure in a in a real campaign setting, um, that dwarf would not have gotten within a hundred feet unnoticed. But um, that was then again, then all again, the buddies game, are dying. This is the game of possibilities, and anything's possible. He could have uh, rolled four triumphs on his stealth roll to get there. So we don't know that. So very true. Maybe some other <laughs> time. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll do this again in an alternate. <laughs> Terrence, you know the shit out of that. Yeah, <laughs> we might. <laughs> I sneak up on the dragon. <laughs> Maybe that'll be my next one. <laughs> All right, everybody. Hope you guys enjoyed that. 
Yeah, let's and that was our just threats. Let's go end this let's thing. Let's end it. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to that and putting up with us tonight um, <laughs> with their settings and you know and the one shot of a uh, ancient red ancient dragon. Woo! Um, so I'm gonna sh- give a shout out to the Wild Die. On um, they basically do have to talk about everything Savage Worlds. Run with um, these guys, Eric Lamru, Harrison Hunt, Gary McCollum. They're um, got a Patreon page, Google Plus. They're members on the, of, of our community here, the Nerds International community. You can um, email them at thewilddie at gmail.com. And we got a pod, Podbean feed, too. All right. Yeah, good stuff. They also have a um, mad, crazy Australian over there that they've had as a seasonal host. It's been a real good summer listening to them. Oh, good. Um, good. But yeah, they've had Pure Mongrel on. Um, Oh, nice. uh, Paris Conte, yeah, he's been on there talking to him all summer long. So it's uh, it's been very fun listening to that. Cool. Um, uh, but uh, so we've got some events coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Nerds International Virtual Con coming up September fifteenth. There's still games available uh, mm-hmm. for Savage Worlds. There's a there's like three or four D and D games that have nobody playing in them. May, might be because of the time frame, or might be just people haven't signed up. Go sign up; it's fun. Mm-hmm. You get to play on Roll Twenty or on Fantasy Grounds, or even just over Skype or even uh, Tabletop Simulator. Uh, it's a whole weekend of games being run, all hours of the day. Yep. Uh, my my Deep Madness game, unfortunately, is full. Yep. Um, I I even uh, left a spot on there for Chris to play. Yes, uh, absolutely. So, <laughs> I have six six full players, um, and uh, that's going to go well. Uh, <laughs> I hope. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> did, did the Meg inspire you? Inspire you for this too? <laughs> no, actually, I got my inspiration from uh, I kickstarted a board game uh, okay. about a year and a half ago, and I've been just dying to get a hold of this board game. It's called Deep Madness, and oh, it is right. it is set in. Uh, it's a Cthulhu-esque adventure set in a deep sea mining facility. That's cool. And and there's all kinds of monsters and artwork for it. And I've been plugging all that into Fantasy Grounds and making the NPCs for it and or the characters for it and having cool. fun getting that all ready to go. And so in two weeks we're gonna have that fun. Oh, geez, that's right. Um, that is in a couple weeks, isn't it? Yeah. And then just a couple months down the road, we have mm. Con on the Cob. Yep, in Richfield, Ohio. It's a little south of Cleveland, about a half an hour south of Cleveland. And it's a small little small little um, convention that is a ton of fun. And yep. the Nerds International members we met last year. And at, the, at there, Jamie looked at Tony and I said, you guys should do a Genesis podcast. And we're like, all right. <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> and hey, actually, Brian, come join I'd, us, man, if you want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's uh, it's uh, November eighth through the eleventh, and yep. and uh, yeah, we're gonna be there. We, we might do a record a show while we're there. Uh, we're definitely gonna be on the RPG Brewery on a live stream on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of us that are gonna be there will be on that live stream. Um, yep, yep. And then yeah, that's that's pretty much all we've got coming up. Yep, pretty much. All right. So, so how, you about, you, how not- about you, Brian? Oh yeah, go ahead. You got anything oh, coming up, Brian? Anything coming uh, up? Or anything? Nope. No, I don't. Sorry. Just games. No. 
Starting, a, starting a Star Wars campaign, though. <clears throat> yeah, we're starting a new Star Wars campaign after we wrap up our uh, Kindness uh, campaign. Nice. Cool. Yep. That is I've cool. I've got I've got two of them going currently. Two two Star Wars campaigns. One set uh, one year after the end of the Clone Wars, and one set uh, right around the same time as Solos. A uh, bunch of rebel freedom fighters uh, embedded in Kashyyyk, trying to uh, recruit uh, mm-hmm. Wookies into the cause oh yeah that's fun <laughs> that is pretty fun well brian man dude thanks for coming on man and taking the time to hang out yeah thanks for having me on it's fun yeah it's nice man. meeting you man yeah too all, all right. right so you you can contact us at finding the narrative podcast gmail.com email us over there uh you can get a hold of me on facebook and i always pass that on to chris mm-hmm. um at Finding the Narrative. Uh, Finding the Narrative is also in the Nerds International with a Hyphen Network on Google+. And you can listen to us anywhere you listen to your podcasts, uh, Podbean, iTunes, YouTube, and now on Google Play. That's right. So this is Tony saying, keep rolling them bones. And this is Chris saying, remember the rule of cool and just have fun, everybody. Good night. Good night, everyone. <laughs> Finding a Narrative podcast is not affiliated with or endorsed by any companies mentioned on the show. Any of the products mentioned on our show or appear on our website are the property and copyright of their respected owners. All items are used under fair use and educational and review purposes. All other items are the intellectual property of Finding a Narrative podcast. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved.